0: Welcome to June. (laughs) Wow. So we have a new theme for the month. We have the theme, Nurture Empowered Consciousness. Isn't that lovely? And today's talk is the consciousness of creation. The consciousness of creation. It's so exciting because really, isn't that what we're doing all the time, right? Our Joseph said this. He said, according to Lemaitre, who was George Lemaitre, he was a priest and uh, also a physicist, 1927 he said this, God is that singularity. The universe, therefore, is not a manifestation of the creative act, but it is also God. The universe is God, since all things come from God. Every galaxy, every star, all the planets, human, dog, cat, molecule, atom, all come from God. And in the beginning, There was only God. That is the singularity. And in the end, all return to God, becoming one with God. So in the end, as in the beginning, the oneness from which all existence emanates returns. The parallels with Hinduism, Taoism, atomic theory, quantum physics are striking. And I would like to add new thought as well. New thought and mystical Christianity and Judaism, they all begin with that, that same universal truth. God is one. God is one. We believe in oneness. We believe in that oneness that outpictures as many. That there is one source and supply of everything. We call it energy. We call it God. You can call it Buddha mind or Christ consciousness. You can call it whatever you'd like. It is that oneness from which all things proceed. So it is an ancient idea, is a very ancient idea, that all things spring from the one thing. It's called the ground of all being. There is only one source and substance in the universe. Energy, right? We learned that in high school, right, high school physics. There's only energy. In form or out of form, it's still just energy. Matter is just energy condensed. Everything, everything, everything is energy. It is consciousness itself. And it moves into and out of form. Sir James Jeans wrote this. The stream of knowledge is headed toward this non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. Mind no longer appears to be an accidental intruder into the realm of matter. We ought to rather hail it as the creator and the governor of the realm of matter. Accept the inarguable conclusion. The universe is immaterial, mental, and spiritual. That is the truth of the world in which we live. We have to get over this idea of, of duality. We have to really integrate our thinking so that we can leave behind this idea of duality, this false belief that there is spirit and body, right? That there is energy and matter. And we must really fully embrace this idea that there is only one. Ernest Holmes, who is was the, the, the founder of this new thought tradition that we call the Centers for Spiritual Living, he said this, he said, the starting point of all creation is the word of spirit. The word is the concept of, the idea, the image, the thought of God. It is the self-knowing mind speaking itself into manifestation. The word back of everything is the initial cause. The word is our word as well because we are made of the same stuff. If there's only one thing in all of the universe, if there's only God, if there's only energy and everything is made of it, then we're made of it as well, yes? Our word means that we co-create, that there is some part of us, when we speak our word, something changes, something manifests. The consciousness of creation is flowing into and out of form through the word, our word as well, which means means we are both consciousness and the creation itself, right? We're the consciousness and we're the creation. Being one, being of that same energy as the creator, we create or we co-create. We co-create using the same process, right? The consciousness of creation. And then we experience the results of our word propelling the formation of the physical, right? The thought, the thing, it all flows. We experience from our own context, our reality. Now you usually hear people say, well, we create our own reality. Eh, uh, not so much, I don't know. What we do, though, what I know we do, is we create, we consider experience from our own context. Does that make sense? You know how a number of people can witness the same event and when questioned about it, remember it entirely differently? Happens all the time, doesn't it? Guy Guy runs by and steals somebody's purse. Okay, what do you look like? Well, he was tall, he was short, he was dark-haired, he had a mustache, he had no facial hair. He was light-skinned, he was dark-skinned, he had a limp. No, he ran real fast. He grabbed it with his left hand, he grabbed it with his right hand. You will have just as many descriptions as you have witnesses to the event. Because we see things from our context. right? Who Who is it that said we, we see things not as they are, but as we are? Our beliefs, our judgments, our biases our past experiences, our blind spots, our assumptions. We see everything from our perspective. You know the first way I describe a person? (laughs) They ask me, what do they look like? Well, he's tall. (laughs) First words out of my mouth, does not matter. They were tall. Five foot two, he's tall. (laughs) Five foot six. He was tall, six foot three, he was tall. It is the first words out of my mouth. If I took my shoes off, you wouldn't be able to see me over the lectern. (laughs) So the first descriptor I use regardless of who it is, they're tall because I'm seeing it from my context. I'm looking up at everybody. I look up at everybody, right? I need to broaden my context. That's what this is about. We see things from our own context. It's like every radio station, right? Broadcasting all the time, all around us. All of those radio waves are all around us. And yet, we only hear the stations we tune into, right? We only hear the stations that we tune into. We cannot change the tune, right? Or the music from that station that we tune into. But if we don't like those tunes, we can change the station, right? We can tune into something else. That's, broad, that's broadening our context. If we don't like the station we're tuning into, we change the channel. If we don't like the life we're living, we need to change our thoughts. We need to change the thoughts we're tuning into. So. So if the context in which you're seeing things in your life today, if the lens you're looking through to set your intentions is giving you manifestations of a life you're not happy with, we can broaden our context, right? We can change the channel. We can tune into a different frequency. We change the way we see things. We change the way we think, we change the way we see things. In Creative Mind and Success, Ernest Holmes said, we are all immersed in the aura of our own thinking. This aura is the direct result of what we have ever said, thought, or done, and it decides what is to take place in our life. It attracts what is like it to itself, and it repels what is unlike it. So change our thinking, change our life. Right? Which was, I think, the guiding, uh, the, the guiding principle of this philosophy of ours. Change your thinking, change your life. I think that was the tagline for religious science for years and years. When we change, what is attracted to us changes. This is the consciousness of creation. right? When we engage in a larger way of looking at life, we can create a larger life for ourselves. We are free. Right? We were born with free will. So we are free within the framework of spiritual and natural law to create what we will. And according to quantum theory, everything exists in the field of potential. According to ancient wisdom, everything, everything exists in unmanifested form. This field of infinite possibilities, and we resonate with a particular or at a particular vibrational frequency, and that collapses the wave function, yes? And it directs the actuality into a form in our experience of the physical. That's our manifestation. That's our teaching symbol, right? Thoughts are impressed in a receptive medium, which then outpicture in form. Our greater manifestations outpicture according to our ability to widen our perceptions of what is possible. What is possible in our lives? We must be more. Ernest Holmes said, right? If we are to demonstrate more good in our lives, more love, more joy, more service, more unity, more wisdom, we must be good. We must be bigger if we are to demonstrate greater and greater things in our lives. We must be more if we are to demonstrate more. And this is the idea of the spiritual mental equivalent, what Ernest Holmes said, that there is a spiritual mental equivalent of us, right? This, this idea, this perfect spiritual um, prototype of who and what we are in God. And it is, and it is from there that we do our, we do our uh, spiritual work. It is from that place where we stand in the I am, and we do the work of outpicturing our lives. We can know of a perfect outcome for ourselves, even if we've never demonstrated it before. We can imagine it. Right back in the 1800s, I think it was Emile Couet, right, who said, every day in every way I'm getting, I am better and better. Every day in every way I am better and better. So what does that mean? It means what it means to, to us, to each one of us. What is better and better for us? You know, who we, who we are is this, is this formless, non-dual consciousness manifesting in space and time. That's really, truly who we are, right? Because of this oneness, there is nothing else. So we're this formless, non-dual energy, energy center. It put in this place and time with all of the qualities within us, all of those qualities of God and, and more, right? So we, it enables us to use our imagination if we are uh, to live the life that we desire. It's about, it's about aligning and resonating with the power and presence that is greater than we are, right? Of ourselves, we don't, we don't do anything. We, we don't make anything. We align with... We align with a power and presence that already, already exists. And you know what's interesting? Our gratitude grows when our context of who and what we are grows. We have to let our hearts guide us. You know, this is called the science of mind and spirit. And when they originally wrote the book, when Ernest Holmes originally wrote the book, it was called the science of mind and spirit. And when they edited it, and they uh, republished it, I think in 1938, it was called The Science of Mind, they sort of dropped the spirit. Because the emphasis then was about change your thinking, change your life. So it was a very uh, heady philosophy. It was a very mental philosophy, but that doesn't take away the fact that it is a science of mind and spirit. The science of mind is is using your mind is being absolutely uh, specific about about doing your spiritual practice, doing your meditation, doing your your oneness exercises, sitting on your meditation cushion whether or not you want to, just doing it anyway. Right? We always what do we say about meditation is sitting around waiting for nothing to happen? That's what it is. Just go ahead and do it anyway. No expectations. But we do that because it takes us farther than mind. This is more than mind. You allow your spirit to guide you the rest of the way. This is the science of mind and spirit. So so practicing your affirmations and doing your five-step prayers and sitting on your meditation cushion does take you so far. But then you must allow spirit to guide you the rest of the way. The grace of God takes you the rest of the way. Follow your heart, tune into your soul, see the big picture, and surrender to that bigger picture. Surrender to that bigger picture Spirit has for you. You are here to live an individualized life, not at somebody else's life, All right? What did they say? Don't try to... What is that, that expression? I think it was Oscar Wilde, right? Don't be anybody else. Everybody else has been taken. Be yourself. Everybody else has been taken, you know, we are here to live our authentic life. We're here to live the life, the spirit incarnated in you for a reason, so that you can be that individualized expression with all of these qualities, holding back nothing. So that's what seeing the bigger picture is. That's what, that's what surrendering into spirit is. It, is. it is becoming God's idea of you. God's idea of you. And God has a, a tremendous idea of who and what you are, greater than, greater than we can even think of. When we align with our truth, we're aligning with the highest idea that we can envision for our life, a life of love, a life of joy, a life of service, transforming lives, transforming our own lives, and then transforming other people's lives. But we have to be clear about that intention. When we, when we do pray, when we do our affirmative prayer, we have to be clear about the intention. What is our intention? What is our life? What are we gonna do with it? How are we going to bless the world? By our presence in it. And then, of course, we have to keep the faith, right? We have to keep the faith. It's not about giving up. It's about continuing our spiritual practice whether or not we're in the mood, (laughs) you know? Whether or not we're in the mood. Sometimes we get frustrated, sometimes we get angry, sometimes we want to walk away from it, sometimes it's like, you know, WTF, which means where's the faith? (laughs) Where's the faith, you know? There is no God out there. There is no energy out there. It it, it begins within. Everything is within us. Our entire life is, is a manifestation of what is in consciousness first. Everything begins in consciousness, yes? We agree everything everything begins in consciousness and then it outpictures from there. So it's about being clear in our intention of what our life can be. What our life can be. We co-create using that power and presence that has existed forever. It has always existed. And we get to co-create with it. We get to align with it to outpicture the lives that we live. We pray we use affirmative prayer to collapse that wave function, going back to quantum physics, right? To collapse that wave function and direct the actuality. That's what affirmative prayer is about. It's about collapsing the wave function, this idea that there is infinite good in the universe. And we collapse that into a, in a specific actuality, and we direct that actuality, and we know how that pictures. And here's the thing. And then we take what comes, come what may. And that's the part nobody likes. (laughs) But wait a minute, I prayed for that particular thing, right? I prayed for that corner office in that building, in that company, on the 10th floor, with the purple carpeting. But it's not about that. It's not about the stuff, is it? It's about that. It's about joy. It's about freedom and balance. That's our prayer. It's about love, it's about service. And what happens is when we pray that larger prayer, we do get what we're praying. It may not look like what we thought in our own minds. But we get that larger life that spirit intends us to be and to live and to have. And it is the grace of God that sustains and manifests our life. And it is a surrendering into that. And we hate the surrender word. That's another one. We're like, nope, given up, white flag. You know, we have all those pictures in our head of what surrender is, but that's not what surrender means. Surrender is about it moving into that greater life that spirit has for you. It's like looking at, the, looking at the slice of pie when spirit wants to give you the whole thing. You know, spirit wants to give you the whole pie, but you're so intent on looking at the, the piece that you, you miss the whole thing and that surrender to the greater possibility to the greater idea of what our lives can be as spirit and form that's where we're going Ernest Holmes said this he said creation is the logical result of the outpush of life into self-expression it is the coming forth of spirit into manifestation the one encompasses and flows through all spilling itself into numberless forms and personalities. And these forms and personalities propelled by the cosmic urge which brings them into being have within themselves an impulse planted by the divine. And since the divine is limitless and perfect, it must and ultimately will bring all creation into that state of perfect manifestation. That is the greater idea of our lives. When we surrender into that idea of perfect manifestation for our lives, when we broaden our own context, right? I could wear bigger heels. If we broaden our own context and look at our own lives through this greater lens, through this wider angle lens, we get to see more of who, who we are meant to be who we are meant to be in spirit. That God always, no matter how big we think we, our lives can be, no matter how much we think we can serve, no matter how much good we think we can, we can affect in the world, God has even a greater idea for you. God has even a, a brand, bright, shiny, new, grander and greater idea of you as a self-actualized being in the world, you as a healer. You as the hope of the world, you as the joy of the world, you as the peace of the world. No matter how big you, you can imagine your life can be, spirit has a greater idea for you. And that's, and that's our practice and that's our promise. Thank you.